Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are speaking through me this morning. Lord, let me just be led by your spirit and nothing else. Let it be your word that is shared, not mine. Um, and I pray that, that each and every single one of us can really, truly engage with what I'm sharing today and can really, truly take from this lesson that you are providing for us, Lord. Um, yeah, let it be a blessing for each of us, um, empowering and encouraging. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Cool. So this is a very simple, um, a very simple theme that I'm talking about. Um, I'm just going to say it. It's about idols and about what idols look like in our lives. Um, like Australian idol. No, I'm just uh, Off the back of my... <laughs> um, all right. So off the back of... Uh, of um, my sermon however, a couple of weeks ago. Um, wow, that really got you all, got you all going, my little... Um, where I talked about humility and I did an idol that I just didn't want to... Uh, just, it just was like, oh man, so intense. But, so that's always kind of, that's always been something that's, that got me back then that I've just always sort of had in the back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, that's an example of an idol. But then as I've thought about it over the last few years, despite the very obviously like spiritual demonic aspects of that description, when you really break it down, for people living in these cultures for however many centuries, probably potentially even millennia, I don't know, um, living in these cultures, when they have idols like this, the thing that it says is, we worship he who drives away death. Break it down to its core. This idol, they've created this way of trying to cope with the idea of death, something that they're scared of. And so they create this idol to try and maintain some kind of control as a way of feeling like they're in control of something that they're scared of. Right? Obviously, there's this extra baggage of really spiritual stuff that's like, that as I feel like, especially as a Western church, we're like straight away, like, ah, oh, like get away, you know, and it's, it's really evil and intense, and oh, I feel a spiritual weight when I read that, like, you know, but at really just break it down at its core. And this is the same thing back then. It's like when they were dealing, like with the Israelites, the children of Israel went to Aaron and they're like, all right, Aaron, we don't know what's going on. Moses has just disappeared up the mountain. We need you to, to make us a statue of Baal because, or whatever the cow is because we need, to maintain, get, we need to gain back control of this situation and feel like we are in control. And, and so idols like this, yes, it's, it's very culturally different, but at its core, it's the same thing that we deal with every day where we're creating a coping mechanism to try and... Instead of just acknowledging that the world is a hard, scary, unpredictable place that we just have to sit with and just acknowledge and deal with, we try to find ways to ignore it and feel like we can just sort of parcel it off and be like, that's taken care of. Or I don't have to think about that because, you know, this idol is, is taking care of it or whatever. And, and it just, I just kind of had this realisation that it is... When you remove away all the cultural extras that's hard for us to identify with, I think we can identify 
in a fleshly way, I think we can understand where many cultures are coming from when they create idols to try and bless their crops because they're scared because you just don't know what the season's going to be like. So of course you create something that's going to try and that you feel like is going to continue to give you blessing. And then you have a great year and it's a, it's a what do you call it, a bias, confirmation bias. And things like this where it's like, where it's so removed from us so it's easy to be like, I would never worship an idol. But at the core of it, we're all the same. We all have fear about the world that we live in. We're all terrified of things that are going on, you know, like doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter what's going on. I feel like lately we've probably felt that a bit more, but like comparatively, but it like doesn't like think about anyone during any of the world wars or the massive, you know, plagues that have happened in the past. Like in all these times, there's, there's, the world is a terrifying, scary place. And I think rather than sit with it and and just acknowledge that we as humans have a tendency to try and grab control of it with our hands and try to like make sense of it in us in our own human ways. Yeah. It's a way that we blanket ourselves in safety and protection, but it's not actual safety and protection, it's deception. We're blanketing ourselves in this deception because we're trying to protect ourselves, trying to protect our little, our little you know, children, our inner child. Um, and so what are some examples? I want to read quickly from Matthew 10, verse 17 to 27. Um, for those of you that know, this is the story of the rich young ruler. Um, Oh, Beck, I don't know if you saw, I gave you a central text with the... That's all right. I'll just read it. Let's, just, let's do it the old-fashioned way while Beck gets it, gets it going. Open your Bibles to Matthew 10. Right. Yeah, 10 verse 17. All right. Hold on. No, I've got the wrong scripture now. I've written something down wrong. Okay. I'm going to need someone to help me find it because I've written in my notes the wrong passage. And so, I don't know where it is off the top of my head. The rich young ruler? Because I'll just Google it and it'll come up with the passage. Mark, is it Mark 10? Mark 10, it's Mark 10. Mark 10, verse 17. Thank you. All right, I'm just going to read it. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Okay, let's just, there's a whole sermon that you can preach on that. But let's just quickly, I just want to quickly just hit the, the, the point of it, which is, it's not about the fact that that guy had a lot of, that guy. It's not about the fact that he had a lot of wealth. That in and of itself as a purely like factual statement that he had wealth is, a, is, is amoral. It, it is just, he just had a lot of wealth. But it's the fact that he obviously placed it um, at the core of his heart. And it's something that he, that he held on to and he was letting be an idol in his life um, in place of God, right? Because again, really idols are just things that we put in place of God. Um, but when we break it down to this point that I'm making as a coping mechanism, it's his way of feeling like in control of the world that we live in. But we know that this world is nothing like this ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Like nothing that we have in earthly possessions is going to do anything or go anywhere. All we have is God's and it's for him to use. So there's no point, there's no reason for us to, to, to give so much importance to our earthly possessions because it's all temporary anyway. Yet this guy obviously had it as a strong place, a stronghold really in his life of idolizing it. And really probably because it presented a sense of control. It was a coping mechanism for dealing with the the crazy nature of the world back then, just like just as it is now, the crazy nature of the world where him having all these possessions and all this wealth would be like, oh, this is a way that I can be on top. This is a way that I can stay safe in this crazy world. Whereas if he really had a, a revelation and a true understanding of of Jesus and and the world, like as as God sees it, he wouldn't have had that same problem. And there's a bunch of different other ways, you know. <laughs> it's so funny because, um, as most of you know, I've a, like I used to be a youth leader for a long time, and I'm not that far from when I even was in youth. And growing up, it was always like, you know, your phone is an idol, and social media is an idol. Which, like, I, it's true, but I think I, I feel like those discussions kind of miss the point. You know, they're just tools. Social media is just a tool. Your phone's just a tool. Um, you know, understanding politics and taking in the news, these are all just ways to communicate with the world and, and exist. But when it becomes a, a, an idol, I think is when it starts to become an unhealthy coping mechanism for dealing with the, the troubles that you're going through. So let's take a really simple example. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot lately that I will, when I'm feeling like the stress of life at the moment, I'll pull my phone out straight away and just scroll for hours on end because I would rather just do that than sit with the fact that my life feels really unstable at the moment. And instead of taking the time to actually sit with that feeling, not just sit in the feeling and 
be like, God, take it away, but actually sit with the feeling and face it and be like, okay, God, why do I feel like this? Why is like, why am I struggling so much with this? Why am I getting grumpy with Abby right now for no reason? Why am I struggling? Like, why do I have such a need to coddle myself and, you know, turn my brain receptors up to 11 all the time so that I can feel good? What, what am I running from right now? What is this fear that I'm dealing with? Because I promise you that if you, if you take this step, take the, the moment to pause and sit with those feelings, and then in that feeling, be like, all right, God, speak to me in this, please. I need your help in this. This is, this is a hard time that I'm going through right now. And I can't handle this on myself, by myself. And I'm tired of relying on things that make me feel good in the natural because they never last. And I still go to sleep and wake up the same day and nothing's changed. So what can you do to help me because I need your help? If more people prayed prayers like that, we would see so many more freedoms in our church. But instead, we, especially like the lockdowns and that whole thing fried so many people's attention spans just because we were so focused on screens. And I'm not, I, again, I'm like, I'm not, trying to bring in this youth group definition of idols. I'm not saying that if you use your phone a lot, your phone's an idol. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that acknowledge why you are so caught up in certain things. Why I feel the need to make myself feel good with food, you know? Why I, why I can't just sit there and be like, all right, why, why do I feel like I need that, that dopamine rush right now? Yeah. Why do I, what is actually going on in my life? But instead, I rely on earthly other things to try and make me feel good so that I can put a smile on my face and keep functioning. You know, I function in my day-to-day life, but what I'm, what I'm learning and what God is teaching me is to sit with that discomfort and actually face it head on and take it in, like actually feel it in my body, you know, and be like, okay, God, what's happening right now and I'm we can't always and especially in the moments where we can't change our situations where we can't change the fact of life of the world around us yeah those are the moments where we need God even more you know obviously we can pray and be like God I need you to change this situation please take me out of this if that's what it is And sometimes that's the prayer that needs to happen and that's what works. But sometimes the prayer is, God, I can't do a single thing right now to change this situation around me. So I need you to change me. You know, and because this fear of needing to gain control manifests in so many ways. Maybe your problem isn't that you're on your phone all the time, but maybe your problem is that you're like absolutely ingesting all the news that you possibly can from all around the world so that you can gain control of the political situation going on. Maybe your, maybe your idol or your, your feel of control, your need for control is in politics. Maybe you're so, so in 
intense about not wanting to know everything that's going on in local to, to federal to state, whatever, politics in the world so that you can try and feel like you're in control and you can be prepared for, for what's going to happen for the next you know, world war that might happen in a little while. Maybe, maybe social media really is your issue and maybe you feel like you need that, you know, like with Instagram or Facebook, that you need that validation from other people so that you can feel good about yourself instead of acknowledging why you feel the way that you feel and why you feel the rejection that you feel. And instead of giving that to God, you try to feed it in an unhealthy way. These are things that aren't in themselves necessarily bad, but when we put them in the place of where God wants to comfort us and God wants to heal us and God wants to build us up to be ministers and we let these things get in the way and cut that short, that's when it becomes an idol. Because all we're doing is we're halting the work of God. We are halting and stopping and cutting off a real intimate relationship with God because God, that's all He wants in the end is relationship. He wants us to run to Him. Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad, I've never said that word. God, (laughs) I need you. I need you, God. I need you to help me and hold me. I need your help, God. I can't handle this feeling of rejection that I'm faced with every single day. I can't handle this feeling of fear that I have about the world spiralling every single day. And instead of running to my usual coping mechanisms, I'm actually going to repent and turn away from those without shame, without guilt, just acknowledging that it's just a very human response and be like, okay, God, I acknowledge that this is what I've been doing. So I'm going to repent in the freest way possible and just focus on you. And I'm going to ask you to help me to lean into you. Because when we learn that he teaches us and he grows us, he teaches us how to rely on him. Guys, there is so much more freedom to be had when we can do that. There is so much more joy to be had in this life when we actually understand that the world is crap. It just is. And the world is falling apart. And it has been since the start of time. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. The the world isn't changing to beyond um, repair. It's us that needs to learn how to deal with this constant state of the world being broken. And to learn how to deal with that, we need to rely on our Creator. We need to rely on our Abba Father, the one who holds us, who comforts us, who builds us up, who teaches us and guides us. It's the only way. And so when my mum, however long ago, talked about coping mechanisms, I'm starting to get it. There are things that, there are tools, you know, if you've ever worked with a counsellor or a psychologist, there are things that help us. I'm not saying that all coping, this this, this is why I'm trying to be really careful with my words. Like, I'm not saying that all coping mechanisms or all ways for us to look after ourselves are bad. I'm saying that when we rely on those too much or when when we put those in place of God, when we take things that are actually an unhealthy coping mechanism, we need to learn to identify those. So that's part of it. Don't just be like anything that's not God, I'm doing away with. No, identify the things that are unhealthy in your life. And that's where God will speak to you and and change you the most. Yeah? Don't, please don't go back to your counsellors or psychologists and be like, I actually don't need you anymore. That's, That's really not what I'm saying. But just stop self-medicating. 
please, I'm saying this to myself as well, please stop self-medicating and just, just trust in the people that God has placed in your life to build you up. Because there are, there, this is a room full of ministers and disciples here. This is a room full of, of leaders that God is building up. And for those of us that are going to hear a word from Him, a prophecy, He wants us to hear that and engage with it and fight for it in prayer. So as you come up the front this morning, I want you to, to take on the word that is shared with you, but don't just be like, great, that's cool, and then go back to your life. Declare it in prayer. Because the more you stand in it, the more, and especially if it's, a, if it's a good one, you know it's a good one when you have to fight for it. If it's a good one, then that's where God is going to teach you how to rely on Him. So if, if you feel discouraged in it and you feel like it's not happening, instead of going back to your, you know, maybe, maybe a classic coping mechanism, as, as ironic as this sounds, maybe your coping mechanism is denial, just outright denial. Yeah. And so if you feel like something isn't going the way that you want it to, despite having heard a, pro- a prophetic word or an encouragement from God about it, this is a, that's a chance for God to teach you to rely on Him despite the circumstances. We know that the whole of the Old Testament and the New Testament, but so much of the Old Testament is about people learning to rely on God despite the army that is surrounding them. And if we want to learn how to do that, we need to repent of our idols and we need to to turn away from our unhealthy fleshly coping mechanisms and focus on Him. Focus on God. And take these words that you receive today and pray over them. Warfare over them, fight for them in prayer and cry over them. Cry over the promises that you've been given that you're not seeing fulfilled. Cry and, and, and grieve and take it to God and be like, God, why have you said this to me like three times now and it's still not happening? Don't run from it and go back to your coping of, with, through denial or whatever it is. Be like, Lord Jesus, I don't understand what's happening around me, but I, I declare, I trust in your word. And I stand so fervently on the promise of your word that you love to give us good gifts and that you delight in giving us good gifts. So I'm going to stand on that word and that promise and I'm going to pray over it. And he will teach you how to pray through that. He will teach you how to trust in that. The Holy Spirit will build faith in you through that. But it's only through the shedding and the repentance of those idols and those coping mechanisms. It's the only way. Like I said, this is a room full of leaders here today. And this whole, our whole church, even those that are at home that have missed it this morning, it's okay, this word is for you too. Any church, every church is full of potential leaders. But So that's why I'm saying this church is full of leaders, but it's up to us to take these words that we hear today and just the words that have been shared over the last few weeks and that we will continue to share and engage with them and fight over them. Fight for truth in your heart. Fight for truth in your mind. Yeah? Pray. And lean on God. And the more you lean on God, the more you'll realize 
how much you, you weren't leaning on him before. Yeah? Amen. Um, yeah, I am going to... Ah, oh, yeah, I'm just going to finish off with one quick passage. I think this is a, this is good, and I'm, we're just going to finish there. Romans 5, verse 1 to 6. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Man, what a passage. He has given us this hope of glory. How could it's you you get built up in the spirit and you're like, how could I ever abandon this? But I know that as soon as I go back to my weak, my flesh is gonna kick back in and wanna go back to my to trying to deal with my sufferings in my own way. But this is let this be like a a line in the sand. Let this be a moment where you're like, you know what, God, I'm gonna endeavor to lean into you and and trust in you through the craziness of this world.